0: Let's say you were to hire um, John Smith, who's your buddy, who's really good at SEO, and he comes in on a three-month project, doesn't have his own company. Maybe he's moonlighting on the side and has other work that he does. In that scenario, there is a valid case that you actually are going to have to pay both workers comp and potentially any increased revenue associated with what he does on your general liability policy as well. Because in this case, that person is not technically a separate entity. Now.
1: To overcome, you must educate. Educate not only yourself, but educate anyone seeking to learn. We are all dead America. We can all learn something. To learn, we must challenge what we already understand. The way we do that is through conversation. Sometimes we have conversations with others. However, some of the best conversations happen with ourselves. Reach out and challenge yourself. Let's dive in and learn something right now. Today, we're speaking with Ryan Hanley. He is the founder and president of Rogue Risk, it's a first of its kind insurance agency, digital insurance agency. Ryan, could you please introduce yourself and let people know a little more about you, please?
0: Hey, Ed, it's it's a pleasure to be here, man. Um, I have a long and storied history in the insurance industry. I've been in for seventeen years, but the the rub is really uh, about three and a half years ago. Um, I had been fired from my third consecutive executive position in a company, and decided that the universe was telling me I was meant to be an entrepreneur. So I took those seventeen years and kind of um, filtered them, simmered them and, and, and figured out what I thought was missing in our space. Uh, no, no, no little boy or girl grows up wanting to be an insurance professional. <laughs> Nobody, <laughs> uh, it's, um, it is a monotonous and I think fair to say on the more boring side of the spectrum industry. However, it's incredibly important. There's a lot of reward that into it. and. Uh, for those of you who are capitalists, it has the best financial model that exists in the history of the world in terms of making uh, personal income, financial finding financial freedom, and you know taking care of your family. So, for all those reasons, um, despite my uh, checkered past, I, I I wanted to stay in the industry. And what I found was most of the industry operates in one of two segments. They are either a get rid of the humans, digitize everything. Um, low touch, low interaction, low relationship, but easy, quick, fast, uh, cheap, or they're higher touch, personalized service, relationship oriented. Not necessarily more expensive. That's a that's a big misnomer, which we can get to. But um, but much slower, right? Just in terms of it's more hand to hand hand to hand combat, right? You are you are dealing with people in one to one relationships. Everything is very personalized. Everything is very customized. Again, not necessarily more expensive. That is marketing. Um, but but it is uh, a different kind of process. So so we have this very traditional side. You have this very digital side. I've operated in both. So when I Formed Rogue Risk, just putting my entrepreneurial hat on, I said, there has to be a solution in the middle. There has to be a way for us to leverage the humans in our industry. And this is something that I think uh, that whatever you do, whatever industry you're in, this is something that I think you can think about. Um, this isn't just the insurance space. But how are the humans being leveraged? What do I mean by that? I mean let's say you have a 20 minute block of time to spend with a customer or prospect. In most industries, particularly service industries or industries that have a legacy component to them. So let's take like tech out, app development out, stuff like AI out, you know, anything that has a legacy component to it. What tends to happen is customer interactions in a 20 minute block are five minutes of talking to the customer and 15 minutes of transacting whatever that customer needs to get done. And what I wanted to do was flip that on its head. I wanted our people to be able to spend 15 minutes on the phone or interacting with our customers to build relationship, to understand what their real needs were, to to help uh, better align what we do with with what actually uh, would be good for them, and build self-service, automation, outsourced VAs, that kind of stuff, workflows, in the background that then we only need 5 minutes to do all the transactional stuff and i coined this term in our industry called a human optimized agency and that is what rogue risk is
1: that's fascinating you know and in our world today the digital world that we live in the human is getting shoved out everything is ai and unpersonalized so it, it definitely has to have proprietary software environment that as you're getting acquainted, you're putting data in to find out the best fit. Is that how that works?
0: Yeah. So I, so there's no, this is probably a failing of mine as an entrepreneur, but I tend to avoid proprietary technology builds unless I have to, because they're slower they cost a lot more and they break more often than stuff that's already been battle tested by 10,000 100,000 other companies. So what we do is leverage technology that already exists for the most part. We have a couple small things that we've built, uh very small. Um but uh, we leverage mostly off the rack technology. To me it's more of a workflow process and mindset than it is actually a technology solution. Now, I am positive and given all the time and money that exists in the world i actually could map out exactly the piece of technology that would work perfectly for this process but it's not necessary because i don't make my money as a ceo uh i don't make the my money i don't make our company's money through ip right we're not a we're not a technology company we we get paid by insurance carriers for selling their products we're a, we're a retail store we're like we're like a you know The insurance industry model is very similar to, say, like a shoe store, right? Uh, Nike, Adidas, New Balance. These are the vendors. Travelers, Liberty Mutual, Hartford, right? The carriers are the suppliers. And we take in supply and we sell it. And there's a small margin on top of it. And that small margin is what we get paid. So if you're paying your insurance carrier $1,000 for insurance, we're not making. I don't make $1,000. I make $150. So one of the things that we tell all our customers and it's true, you know, we, I've kind of prided myself for better and for worse, on being very transparent and authentic a lot of, uh, for a long time. And for most of the history of the insurance industry, uh, there's been this gatekeeper mentality where the only way you can get access to what I know is if you do business with me and all this kind of stuff. And I hate that. Right. That's why I hate haggling for cars. I hate all this nonsense, right? Like tell me, What needs to get this deal done? Let's operate in good faith and let's move forward. So what I tell people all the time is um, if I only do business with you for one year, I lose money on you. That's the truth. So when you do business with with any insurance carrier, this goes for the Geico, State Farm, Progressive, as much as it goes for any independent retail agency that you could do business with in every small town in America. The first year you do business with that company, they lose money on you. Depending on their economic model, it's very possible they lose money as well the second year. They need to do business with you somewhere between two and four years before they start to make money on you. So this is hmm. why, um, you know, this is why things like, you know, spending time focusing on renewals. This is why in the business, yes, there's a renewal component to the insurance industry that builds up over time and becomes a... um. a a very advantageous financial model, but you have to do right by your customers. And when customers switch from carrier to carrier, from broker to broker, what happens is they actually get higher prices. So most, most, most people who switch often and shop often think they're really smart. And I find these to be very egocentric. It's usually men and they're like, I don't trust anybody. I shop my insurance every (laughs) year and they think they're like super smart. And, you know, unfortunately, and there's no way of getting through to them on this, they actually pay more in the long run. Because here's what I know. If I look and I see that you're, that you jump a lot and I'm a carrier, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to charge you more money because I, because I know there's a good chance I'm not going to have you next year because you jump over and over and over again. So I'm going to charge you more year one because I have to make more in year one to even get close to profitability on you. And look, these carriers are not dummies. You you have not, you know, these people who shop and constantly switching, you have not figured out some secret game. Insurance has been around for 440 years. Like you have not figured out some secret thing that these carriers don't know. They are some of the most data-driven organizations that exist. And frankly, you have what's called an insurance score. Every single person does, every single business does, has an insurance score. It is similar to a credit score, but not the same. And it essentially tracks your history. and. What happens is if carriers see that you are a a a, a hopper, they just charge you more money. So I, I think it's funny, you know, and look, it, like I said, it tends to be guys, it tends to be more ego driven guys, guys that like to pound their chest and act like they're super smart at business. And you just can't get through to them the fact that over the long term, they're paying more.
1: Yeah, well, I've been with my carrier for 10 years, and I'm I'm sticking with it because it's done for me. Yeah, and over that long term, you build a relationship there. Yeah,
0: and so it doesn't—that that makes sense. Yeah, it doesn't mean you can't ever switch, and it doesn't mean that your insurance right. agent shouldn't look for other options. Like on a, you know, it just means that if you're if you go two, three, four, five years, and you're switching every year, you will you will pay more than the person who sticks around, even if they get automatic renewals every year. So, so you know, it's it's yeah. a little kind of. um these are just little nuances of the space. Like I said, it's it's um there's a lot of misconceptions about insurance, um, but in as much as most people, particularly businesses, so we only write business insurance. We don't do home and auto uh, or life insurance or or health insurance. Our particular specialty is uh, I'm a big believer in small business. Um, I'm a big believer in you know kind of Main Street America, and uh, I started this agency. Um, to really bring enterprise level service that really is kind of withheld to most small businesses and relegated to the upper echelons, enterprise level businesses. I wanted to bring that level of service care and access to products down to Main Street America. That's really what Rogue Real Risk is all about. So our primary customer has, you know, three to seven employees you know, we can do, we, we have companies that do 50 million plus in revenues. So we have larger companies as well. And technically in terms of the grander scale, that's still considered a small business, but, but you know, that's, that's a, you know, so we have nice sized businesses that we do business with, but we really our bread and butter is helping the, the tried and true small business owner, build a foundation upon which they can grow their business. Cause, uh, my philosophy on this particular topic is that, uh, if, if you're not growing, you're dying, right? I think that's a fairly common. That's not that's not my my uh, original saying, but it's certainly something that I believe in. So we always have to be looking to grow. And if we're always looking to grow, that means we have to take on new risks. Maybe it's a new employee. Maybe it's a second location. Maybe it's a new product line. Maybe it's expanding the space that we own, et cetera. And all those scenarios you insurance provides the foundation upon which you can take those risks. So let's say you open a second location. Well, now, now you're one business owner, two locations. You can't be in both in the same time, right? So now there's a little more risk. There's a little less oversight, a little less control, even if you have a manager or someone helping you or a family member, et cetera. So with that, some there's a high, there becomes a higher likelihood that there could be an accident. And in the event that there is an accident, the only entity, that is going to come with a check and financially get you back to where you were is insurance. It is not 1850. The town is not rallying around you to put your business back up if it burns to the ground, right? Like if your business burns to the ground, people are going to basically hold their nose and say, when is this thing just going to be demolished? So I don't have to look at it anymore. Insurance comes and provides that. So how we view it is not as protection, right? This is a, a big, a big talking point for me is that, So many of my peers, so much of the industry talks about protection, protection. Well, if your business is on fire, I am not going and getting buckets of water and putting it out, nor is anyone else in the insurance industry. That's protection. What we provide is sustainability. When that happens, and it's a horrible day, and unfortunately, we see it because we have thousands and thousands of customers, and it just happens. When that happens, what we do is we figure out how much you need to put your business back together and we get you a check for that. Now, the pessimists who are listening to this go, rawr, rawr, my buddy had a hard time getting paid for this and pay. Guys, here's the deal. Can you find scenarios where an insurance company gave someone a hard time about a claim? For sure you can. But here's the deal it is a contract, the contract clearly outlines what is covered and what is not. And when 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 there is a problem, it is ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the time because something happened that wasn't in the contract. If it's in the contract, they pay. So so yeah, you can find scenarios, you can find things. This company that oh this guy's upset for this, but when you really dig into those stories, you know, so you got that buddy who likes to bitch about this insurance thing or whatever. Dig into that story a little bit. Because I bet what you're going to find is there's some shady, some shady stuff going on there. And yeah, would it be nice if the insurance company just overlooked the shadiness and stuff? Yeah, but then everybody would do that stuff. You know, And the last thing I'll say on this particular topic, because it's something that at least people of a certain generation certainly remember, is Katrina. So the city of New Orleans and Katrina, uh, particularly State Farm, but but other carriers as well, got a tremendous amount of hate for Katrina. And there were mistakes made. There were things done that, while not illegal, were certainly certainly not the way that I would ever do business, for sure. And I think most of us would. However, the city of New Orleans would not exist today if it weren't for the insurance industry. Would not exist. It would not exist. That city would not exist today if it wasn't for the insurance industry. Because the vast, vast, vast majority of claims, the large buildings, the businesses, most of the homes, got taken care of, got their checks, got cleaned out, got remediation services, got rebuilt. All of it was fixed through insurance money. All of it. Were there were there unfortunately segments of that city that certain carriers didn't do the right things? Yes. And that's a failing of humans, not of the product. So I say all this because I think a lot of people look at insurance. Um, again, I'm happy to talk about the entrepreneurial side. I'm happy to talk about other stuff that I do. Uh, I know we're kind of focused on this. Um, this is like kind of my day job, I guess you could say. Um, but I just think that when we reframe how we look at this particular product, we can think of it as a mechanism to grow our business, right? I want to expand locations. Okay, I'm going to go get the right insurance. So now I have, I know that if something terrible happens at this location, because I'm not there and the oversight that I have in the first location isn't there, I know I'm going to be okay, right? They're not going to come after my home. They're not going to come after my assets, I'm gonna get that building back, et cetera. okay. So that I just try to reframe that for people. Um, no one likes the expense. I don't like the expense. I own an insurance agency. I have to pay insurance. right I have like five policies that I have to pay every year for for this agency. I get it. No one likes the expense, but um set up properly and framed in the proper context,, uh, it helps us grow our business and create sustainability.
1: yeah, that's great. So, there's different types of policies, and they get confusing, but I, I really want you to touch on the business owner's policy and the 1099 independent contractor. Could you go over those differences and why yeah. it is so important to understand those?
0: Yeah, so – um are your a lot of your listeners are they contractors? Are they are we talking 1099s in terms of contractors or 1099s in terms of office workers?
1: I would suspect so, yes, because, you know, we're in the digital realm and a lot okay. of creators, they are gotcha. 1099 type people.
0: Yeah, no problem. So, um one thing that we can't confuse is an independent contractor from the definition of a taxes and an independent contractor and the definition of insurance; these are two different things, and where most people get filed up. So most people may, th- most, a lot of people who either hire or work as a ten ninety nine contractor, independent contractor, they look through the frame of how that's handled from a tax perspective. Unfortunately, when it comes to insurance, there are some fairly significant differences between what constitutes an independent contractor from an insurance standpoint versus a tax standpoint. So that's the first thing that we have to address. So I'm going to give you a non-official rule of thumb. Someone is always paying insurance for what you do. It's Mm -hmm. either you or it's the independent contractor. So someone's paying. So let's say I own a, a digital media company, okay? and I have five employees and we do content creation and then we outsource SEO and we outsource maybe, um, uh, maybe we outsource uh, some of our social social uh, handling, our social profiles and stuff like that. We generate world-class copy and uh, and then we kind of outsource some of these other services that go along with it. All right, so let's take that scenario. So if we're the digital media company, we need to have a fairly standard set of policies, business owner's policy, that's gonna cover your general liability. It's gonna cover any property you have, so any equipment, if you have editing gear, computers, uh, if you have, a uh, maybe you have a studio built, that's gonna all be covered, you know, properly set up under your business owner's policy. There's gonna be a bunch of ancillary covers as well. If you're the business owner, you're gonna get, Small limit for EPLI, that's employment practices liability, that's where employees do shit to each other, think racism, sexism, you know, all the the isms that people can sue each other for, Um, uh, wrongful hiring, wrongful firing, etc. It's also going to have a small limit for cyber liability. Um, For digital creators, cyber liability is a huge, huge concern that most disregard. Um, we can touch on cyber in a second, but there's going to be a whole basket of coverages that are covered under business owner's policy. You're also going to need a worker's compensation policy for any W-2 employees for sure. Those W-2 employees are going to need a worker's compensation policy, and that's for injuries associated with with job, with work-related stuff. So in a digital creation space, uh, that could be a carpal tunnel syndrome. It could be back-related issues from sitting in a chair, the ergonomics, stuff like that. It could be you're out on... Uh, an assignment recording a client, you trip and fall and smash your head into a wall, that would be a workers' comp claim. Um, if you have any vehicles registered to the business, you're going to need a commercial auto policy. So unregistered vehicles that are registered in your personal name used for commercial work, you're going to want to talk to your personal insurance agent to make sure that those are that that's properly addressed. Because with some carriers, particularly Geico, if you if you, are, uh, if you have a GEICO policy, again, because you think you're smart and you're paying for cheap insurance, just understand that you have a piece of garbage. Um, and what happens is that GEICO has 12 specific exclusions that are not on all other standard auto policies, one of which is if you're using your car for business purposes and you have a GEICO policy, very good chance that claim is going to be denied. Or at least, let me put this, they have every right to deny it. So that's one of those scenarios where people will be like, I got in an accident and my insurance sucks. They won't won't pay for my claim. And it's like, yeah, except you didn't read the policy and you didn't understand that you were doing business with a company that has every right per the contract you signed to deny that claim because you were using that vehicle for business purposes. So just understand that's the case. But if the vehicle is registered to the business, you have to have a commercial auto policy. You may want to have a commercial umbrella relatively cheap, probably like a couple hundred bucks a year. Um, that's just gonna give you an extra layer of liability. The big ones in this space are gonna be cyber. The big additional policies are gonna be cyber liability, uh, which don't think hacking us. That is not what most cyber claims are not even close. Most cyber claims are I'm gonna spoof your email address, your name, your logo, et cetera, to get someone to click a link or make a payment or whatever. Uh, I'll give you a good example of this. I just had a small uh, furniture store client. Um, one of their customers got an email from them saying, hey, please pay this $50,000 invoice. The CEO got the email, passed it along to his accounting department. They paid the invoice, whatever. Three months later, he's looking at his, you know, I will guess he's looking at his financial statements or whatever. He calls my client and says, what the heck do we buy from you for $50,000? My client says, nothing. It was he got he got fished and that would have been fifty thousand dollars out of my client's pocket, who was wholly responsible for that, even though he had nothing to do with it, is wholly responsible uh, per current kind of legal standards. And um, instead, he paid, I think, a thousand bucks for the deductible and the other forty nine thousand was covered by the insurance claim. So, So that's cyber. Very big. And the last one is E.P.L.I. Uh, unfortunately, we live in a time where we have a lot of people who operate day to day on a day to day basis as victims, and they are looking for reasons to sue each other. And I have seen even some of the most innocuous statements, actions, people who seemingly meant nothing by X or Y be sued uh, under EPLI for any of the isms. Now, that's not a judgment, it's a reality. And uh, in that case, if you don't have an employment practices liability policy or rider, um, you're going to have to come out of pocket for the legal defense at a minimum, even if it's outlandish. Even if it's something completely insane that you're like, I would never do that. That's not who I am, et cetera. It doesn't matter. If they sue you, you you have to come up with the legal defense. So most EPLI claims are actually uh, end up being um, not adjudicated. And uh, most of the claim is actually the legal defense cost in those in those scenarios. Uh, depending on the state, if you're in New York, New Jersey, Illinois, or California, anything you sue for, you're basically going to get paid. So, um, again, those are uh, just where the legal cases are in those particular states. Um, it's absolutely insane. Um, and again, I don't. Again, that's not a judgment. That's what it is. I, I guess insane is a judgment. I feel my personal opinion is that is insane, but the reality is there are very large sums of money being flown around for things that you may not even happen. No happen. Uh, a good case in point is you have, let's say the same uh, media company's got five employees and you hire, uh, an SEO and that SEO comes in to do like maybe an is- an initial, um, kind of meet and greet, you know, even if they're going to work remote and while they're there, they make a bunch of derogatory or, um, uh, they you know hitting on you know a male hitting on a woman and makes her feel incredibly uncomfortable and it, and it's awful right i mean that's terrible that should never happen i'm not justifying that in that scenario even though that person doesn't work for your company because you as the business owner brought them into your business you are responsible for the things they do to your employee and your employee can sue you and that's epli just to give everyone an idea um that's the second fastest growing claim in the United States so that's why i bring that one up Wow. Now let's get to independent contractors. So, thinking about that same SEO, let's assume they're a let's assume he is a decent person and not an a hole who's gonna uh, make your employees feel awful. Um, so, in this scenario, there's a couple things. If that SEO has their own business, so John's SEO Services LLC, they have their own location, they have their own logo, they're their own independent business. And you are just hiring them for their services. You do not need to carry a uh, worker's comp. You do not need to carry liability for them. However, let's say you were to hire um, John Smith, who's your buddy, who's really good at SEO. And he comes in on a three-month project, doesn't have his own company. Maybe he's moonlighting on the side and has other work that he does. In that scenario, there is a valid case That you actually are going to have to pay both workers' comp and potentially any increased revenue associated with what he does on your general liability policy as well. Because in this case, that person is not technically a separate entity. Now, and the the other part to that is SEO services very much fall under the umbrella of marketing services or, or digital agency services. If, let's say, you hire a carpenter to come in and fix a wall, even if it's the same John Smith who but he doesn't have an LLC, doesn't have a logo, whatever, that's just you hiring a carpenter that is not the same as your services. So so just to kind of shake this out, if the person has their own business and is clearly defined as their own business, you are not responsible for the insurance. It is still good that you that they have insurance and that you get certificates from them so you know that they're covered because in that scenario, if there is damages, there's going to be a waterfall effect, right? So let's say the the, the while they're doing something they accidentally embed some virus in one of your clients. The client's going to sue you and the client's going to sue them. If they don't have insurance, guess who they're coming after? Coming after you because you have it. So so there, there's things there. And you can contractually work some of this out, but you want to make sure they have their own coverage. But you are not responsible for that coverage. If that person is, say, moonlighting or doesn't have their own business or is working on the side for you, in that scenario, they essentially are going to fall under your policies. Um, and then obviously with the caveat is they have to be doing something similar to what your business offers. So uh, bringing in someone like a carpenter or maybe a better a better scenario would be, let's say one of your clients says, you know, hey, Ed, uh, you know, uh, this this stuff is great. You know, is there any way you could bring in uh, and, you know, you're, you're working maybe on some some accounting thing. And can you bring in an accountant real quick? An accountant comes in. Right. Still a separate type of business, right? Accounting is not something in digital agency system. So if it's similar work, completely separate business, don't have to worry about it in terms of you have to have it. It's good that you make them have it, but whatever. If it's a if someone moonlighting or acting as a true 1099 contractor who doesn't have their own business, you probably most likely are going to be responsible unless that person is doing something completely different from what your main business is. So I hope I hope that shakes out the answer.
1: Yeah, that that hit granular. So that that's really good. Uh those cyber liabilities, they can get really heavy and even you know, on a podcast when you speak something and people might come at you. You know, to have those insurances it really matters.
0: So technically, um let's say you said something on here. Let's say you had a uh, a competitor and um, you're on this podcast and you're like, you know what? Ed, he's a lying, cheating, son of a bitch. And uh, I know he's d- d- double dealed on three guys and he overbills and blah, 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 You know, you barf all this negative stuff, right? Well, that technically that's libel or slander depending on how you frame it. Um, that's actually a coverage called media liability insurance, right? So media liability insurance is going to have a small sublimit on most business owner's policies. So you'll have a small amount. And again, the, 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 the person you actually slander or whatever, they, they have to have They have to be able to prove that somehow you injured them. They can't just be like, Oh, I don't like what he said. I mean, they have to be able to say, Hey, we lost two clients because they listened to the podcast. And then they, then they called us and said, Oh, are you doing this to us? And they canceled, right? Then they could come after you if something like that happened. So, but if, if you're actively advertising, if you're a large market, local business that is advertising a lot, et cetera, if you go on podcasts, if you have your own podcast, the coverage that is going to protect you, if you say something stupid or write something stupid is actually media liability insurance. So you just want to. I just wanted to make sure that people knew that that wasn't cyber. That's not cyber.
1: Oh, really? So yeah. that doesn't fall under the cyber packages. No, it's errors separate. And omissions.
0: Nope. It, that's a separate. It's a separate coverage. Errors and omissions is a, is also a separate coverage. So errors and omissions coverage is is. I'm going to broad stroke it. Each individual industry has their own variety of this. So I'm going to broad stroke what this is. But it basically errors and omissions would be. Something like uh, I'm an app developer and I tell you that this app is going to do X and you implement the app for the first week. App runs great. All of a sudden something and I'm not I I don't deal in ones and zeros. So if this isn't exactly accurate for the app developers who are listening, please just forgive me. Um, you know, all of a sudden, something gets corrupted and it locks up their database. And now, for a month, they can't get access to their database because something happened, right? And they're losing money. That would be, in that particular case, a tech e o technology errors and omissions. Le- lawyers have it. I have it, right? So let's say I say to you, hey, Ed, this this policy here is going to cover you for why, right? And why happens, and it's not covered. or let's say, Ed, you tell me, Ryan, I want X policy. This is a better example of this. I want X policy, Ryan. Please purchase cyber liability for me. Okay, great. And I go, Ed, you're covered. Good. You're in. Except I never actually go to the carrier and buy in the policy. Just something happens. I forget. My team forgets. Technology gets screwed up. Carrier never gets notified. Something happens and it never actually gets bound. So you think you have coverage. I told you, you have coverage, except the carrier never gets the, the bind coverage uh, request. Now you have a loss. That's errors and omissions that comes through me. This is another reason why I highly, highly recommend always working through a broker or an agent or whatever they call themselves. It's kind of, everyone calls themselves something different. There are technical nuances. So, so for those listening at home that actually give a crap about this, there are technically Nuanced differences between brokers and agents. People kind of use them synonymously though. So just whatever. Every licensed agent or broker in the United States who sells insurance has to have errors and omissions insurance. You have to have it. The reason that I highly recommend you never go direct is that if you go direct, you become the insurance agent. You are taking on all the liability. All the errors and omissions liability falls on you, not the carrier. The carrier is the wholesaler. The carrier you're you're buying t-shirts for all for all the carrier is you're buying t-shirts from them. You're telling them I want X. They're not giving you advice. They're not telling you what you should purchase. They're saying, "Oh, you want X? Here you go." Right? Just as if you went on a website and you said, "I want a large," right? I want a large t-shirt. Bing. That's all it is. All of the liability of the choice of which insurance you purchase when you go direct falls on you. When you work with an agent or broker, they have this errors and omissions policy. It is their job to be this this filtering system to make sure that you make the right decisions over time, right? Or the best decision, or or just to properly frame this, you are... Aware of and educated on as much as reasonably possible. That is, you know, what you need to know about the decision, and it's always going to be different. Every scenario is different. Um, you know, there's there's certain people are going to listen more. Certain people aren't going to hear things. There there's, there are you know there's a lot of, but that is there is a there is a there is a uh, a risk transfer to a certain extent to the agent and broker when you work through an agent and broker. Right. And as long as they're operating in good faith and all that, there shouldn't be a problem. And another thing, and I said this at the beginning, um, it is a huge, huge misconception that somehow working with agents of brokers is more expensive. So Geico spends over a billion dollars a year on advertising. That's your that's the commission that I get when I sell you a policy. You're, You're paying the same amount. You're paying Liberty Mutual does a ton of advertising. People go direct and they're like, Well, I went direct. I saved money. No, you didn't. How do you think they got you in? They had to pay for advertising. The the, the, the points that they pay me go into advertising in the direct channel. They have to get you in somehow, right? So it, you're paying it somewhere. That that is so, so there is, you know, so there's this vast just, and again, this is people who. Think they're being super smart or trying to like buck the system? You are not being smart. Oh, we don't need middlemen anymore. Okay, you're taking on all the liability. You have no advice, and you're paying the same amount. Congratulations, you win. You know what I mean? Like it. It. This is. You know. It's just. But we all like to act smart, and we all. And I'm. And I'm not trying to like give people a hard time, but I just. I. Our largest. All right, that's not true anymore. Our second largest lead source. Is business owners who went direct, were unhappy, didn't get what they need, couldn't figure it out, and then they came and found us. So I see this interesting every day over and over and over again because we're we're kind of digitally savvy agency where, you know, we have one of the largest YouTube channels in the insurance industry. You know, we do a lot of SEO content work, we do a lot of social works, you know, social media work. So, like we get these types of shoppers come to us. And what will happen is they'll go to XYZ direct carrier first, have a bunch of problems over a year or two. And then they, then they find us cause we're like next on the list. And, um, you know, once they see what it's like to work with a human and know that, you know, someone's actually going to talk you through all your decisions and stuff. Um, you know, they tend to like that better.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, that that's
1: huge Ryan, because you know, what I was told is not actually valid. So, to get that clarification is important yeah it's it's interesting so the coverages that you are paying for you should make sure that it's actually covering what you think it's covering yeah Uh, Yeah. that's that's important very important
0: yeah and it's you know you want to i think that it is easy to want to rush through the insurance buying process it's very easy yes. to want to do that i get it yes. right i mean it's like <laughs> you're, like the last thing in the world you want to do is talk about your insurance it's just i i completely understand i'm not one of these people that's like oh this is the most important thing you know what i mean like i'm not one of those guys i'm they operate in reality you know what i mean i'm a business owner too i completely get it um yep but if you can just slow down a little bit and that doesn't mean hours it means 10 extra minutes and 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 let that person let whoever you're working with ask a few different questions. We have a very we have we we do have a proprietary process that we use to question business owners in a way that does not feel intrusive but at the same time helps us understand what's going on with them because oftentimes business owners don't know what they don't know, right? They're not insurance professionals. We are. So we we That's have right. a, a a process that we walk them through um and it's just a series of questions. Uh it, it's only five questions actually, but through those five questions, we basically are at able to ascertain what's going on, what their primary concerns are, what needs to be solved now versus what we can come back to in a few weeks or a few months, et cetera. And, um, in that way, we try to help business owners on their terms versus trying to shove some solution down their throat. That is maybe easy for us, but not right for them. And, uh, you know, it's taken me uh, legitimately 17 years to, to get this process dialed in. Um, you know, it helps us sell, which is great. I mean, as a, for my own business, you know, that's a nice thing, but the beauty of it is it is meant to put the business owner in a place or whoever the decision maker is in a place where they feel very comfortable with what they're purchasing.
1: Yeah, uh, I like it. And, and, you know, you're a creator yourself. Like you stated Fabulous content out there. So understanding how to do it right really matters. Getting in touch with the right person can actually help. Because a lot of individuals do not understand the coverages and the liabilities associated with online usage with your websites and what you're selling and pushing. It can be very confusing. and. Devastating if you don't have it right,
0: yeah, imagine if you're a digital creator, content creator, and your website is basically your life, right? It's got your blog posts, your podcast, yeah. it's got all your services, Maybe you're selling digital products, et cetera, right? Someone hacks your login and locks you out and says, if you don't pay me fifty thousand dollars in Bitcoin, you're never getting this back. What do you do? What do you do? You pay the fifty thousand uh, the website.
1: <laughs> But <laughs> I fixed my website <laughs>
0: well you know in this case you're screwed I mean they got the back end they have you locked out you know they've changed all the passwords they've I mean this stuff happens all the time and um in that scenario you you pay the 50 you pay the 50 thousand bucks now hopefully you have it that'd be great um if you don't have it you're screwed I mean they will just sit on that yeah. and yeah you can negotiate them down and you know there's all the people but I, look, this is happening every single day. And that scenario, what will happen is the insurance company comes in, we'll negotiate with them, figure out what a settlement is, pay them. And in a matter of a week or two, you have your website back oh. and your business is going. And, you know, that's what say a cyber liability policy with ransomware coverage is for. That's, that's, that's a rant. That's ransom a ransomware. Uh, um, yep. Scenario. And that's what cyber liability is for. That's what cyber insurance is for. So like, you know, and then your question about the media liability, not, not knowing that there's a separate coverage for libel, slander, et cetera. errors yeah. um, Arizona missions is separate. Um, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of nuanced stuff that, look, you know, when you're just trying to grow your business, it is annoying to think about. Um, but my recommendation is find someone who's willing to walk you through it. It does not have to take a tremendous amount of time. The average, we we have a, we have a philosophy Um, it's called one call close process, okay? And most people, when they initially hear about it, they're like, oh, these guys only want to listen to us. They only want to deal with us one time. No, right? We will talk to you. Our team, I have advisors all over the entire country. We're a national agency. We work in every state in the United States. I have uh, people in every time zone, every quadrant all over the country. And they will talk to you as many times as you need on the phone. There is no limit to how many times. But our goal is, of respect for you, the business owner, to be able to work you through the process with one call, not closing you on the call because no one wants that kind of pressure urgency. That's not what we're trying to do. But with one call, be able to get an adequate amount of information out of you so that we understand what your needs are, both urgent needs and longer term needs. And we're able to provide you with a proposal and a scenario that helps you set your business foundation up. That's it. It doesn't have to be this long drawn out process and that call on average lasts 21 minutes so twenty in 21 minutes you can we can talk you through the process and get you ninety percent of the way there and um and I think it's very possible uh unfortunately what you get and and again this is what I think separates our agency why I love what I do as much as I don't yeah you know, I I don't want to lie. I don't, I don't love insurance. I wish I had something cool to take pictures of and put them on Instagram. Like (laughs) no one wants to see insurance policies on Instagram. Like as a marketer, (laughs) I would love something sexier to be able to work with, but this is just where life has taken me. Um, (laughs) but, uh, you know, I think that, I think that there is right now, most of the options are either in person, really long, people don't understand coverages. And then, and then the other side is this like, do-it-yourself very light touch but kind of you're on an island scenario and i think with rogue we've we've uh we've mashed the two together in a way that i feel very proud of
1: i like it so let's segue a little bit with the last comment nobody really finds insurance attractive how did ryan get involved with insurance and become such a guru in understanding the ins and outs of it.
0: So it was, uh, uh, we're, we're, we're no longer married, uh, but my uh, ex-wife, it was her hand, basically her, it was the dowry for her hand in marriage was becoming an insurance salesman for her father. Um, we, we, uh, we were on the path obviously to marriage and, um, and he pulled me out of a Christmas party into like this, you know, those, it was like, it's like out of a mafia movie. Essentially. We sat in this, in his office with the high leather back chairs and the wood paneling in the room. And you know, his, his son is who also worked at the agency, was standing over his shoulder behind the chair and I'm in one of these chairs. And he basically, I think just didn't want his little girl to be married to a bum. So he said, I think you should come sell insurance for the family. It was like, it's like uh, literally I have it in my head. I had this like snapshot in my head. It was like literally out of the Godfather. And, um, And I said, yes, I was I was uh, working as a consultant for an accounting firm at the time, a large accounting firm. I was traveling a lot. Wasn't my favorite thing in the world that I was doing. I knew it was a good job, but it wasn't like something I really wanted. You know, I was kind of open to new opportunities. I'd never sold before. I like the opportunity of working with people. I like the opportunity to learn how to sell. Um, It's probably the most important business skill that exists. and that led you know that led me there's a whole long story which I will not bore you with but uh uh that led to where we are today but yeah it was 17 years ago started boots on the ground produces the internet wasn't even really a thing in regards to insurance at that time and uh I was driving putting 50,000 miles on my car driving from strip plaza to strip my plaza walk in hand my business card introduce myself walk down the strip plaza go to the next one um you know I was I did the grinder the grinder work. I hated every second of it, but I learned, I learned how to sell. I learned how to market. I learned the product really, really well. And, um, unfortunately in insurance, you develop this arcane set of knowledge and skills that are non-transferable to other industries. So I just, there's nearly nowhere for me to go at this point. Um, I do do <laughs> a lot of writing. Um, I wrote a book on content marketing back in 2015 which which did pretty well. Um uh, self-published for the time It did pretty well about 5000 copies sold. Um now I write a lot about leadership and peak performance. Um so if you're if you like my mentality but you are not into insurance, um you can go to finding peak like uh finding peak performance, findingpeak.com. I do a newsletter, a podcast and um that that's fairly popular. And that's really probably more my passion um, is growing that. I love that. I love helping people. Um, I have a lot of, um, I've had to, I have fairly high level of ADHD. uh, And I've had to develop a lot of skills, resources, tactics uh, around discipline, perseverance, self-control, things like that, in order to be as successful as I've been in my career. And um, I try to, teach those things as well as a lot of others, um, just to help people. You know, I like people to know that, um, all the crazy shit that's going on in their head, they're not alone. Um, but you can also, right. you can also be very, very successful despite those voices, um, which I think some people, and this is what my experience has been, is that we allow, we allow the things that we believe are holding us back to become real when they're not. And if we have a, a framework, and I like to think through frameworks and filters, not rules and laws. If we have a framework or set of filters in which we operate our life, um, we can set our life up in a way that all our wildest dreams can come true. And, and I and I don't mean that in the cavalier way. I mean that what you want is there. It just takes a shit ton of work. So that's more of my passion is is writing and podcasting. I do do a little bit of video work. I do a lot of keynote speaking. I've done almost 400 keynotes in my career um over the last 15 years. Um so I love that side, but my I started this company, the company that that kind of I is my at this point, you know, the company is doing well. We're doing very well. Uh we have a good process. That's really my testing ground. So the things that I talk about on this side Uh, I use Rogue as a testing ground for that and how we treat our employees and how we compensate people and different philosophies and, and not like to torture them, but like to help that business improve and see their own lives. You know, I, I love my employees. I feel like it's every leader's job to have a responsibility for their employees. I think, unfortunately, in today's corporate environment, we've, um, I, we We live in this very odd place where we've over indexed on feelings and at the same time under indexed on humanity if that makes sense, like everyone's feelings yep. matter. I don't really care about your feelings like you know i I, I create shirts for myself because I'm crazy, so I create these shirts for myself just to like remind myself of things. And it says like uh, discipline across the top and underneath it says like, you know, bleep your feelings because so what? you don't feel good today job right like and not for me yep. do it for you that's i yes. you know that's my and 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 it's little things like that that you know probably give away my politics but like i think we've under indexed on humanity we the people have become numbers or letters or just butts and seats yep. or positions which is absolutely wrong in my opinion no matter how big your company is and on the other side of it and i almost feel like that has become a defense mechanism against this feelings well i don't feel like I'm being respected, or I don't feel great today, or the moon is in this sign of Aquarius, so I'm only going to do an hour's worth of work, but I want all the benefits as if I was a high achiever. And it's like, that's not how real life works. So leaders need to come down, I, I believe. Leaders need to come down and actually embrace their teams and give a shit about who they are as people. And on the other side, employees need to be in an adults and start actually working for the things that they want. And if both groups came together, man, that's where I think you see these best in class companies is, is we're not, we're not complaining about politics We're not cleaning, complaining about how we feel, you know, we are working together as a team. We're supporting each other. We're growing and we're putting in the effort. And in exchange, those employees are being rewarded in ways that make them feel understood. Um, so right. I, I, that's kind of what I, that's like where I'm, my career is going.
1: Yeah, well, that's that's awesome. That's exciting. And we need it. Because everything you stated there, I I really feel the same in my mannerisms. And, you know, coming from old school, you work for what you get. And if if you get knocked down, figure yourself out to get back up. And Yeah. yeah, sometimes you have to start from the bottom again. Oh, well, that's part of life. And yeah, until you die and go to the grave, that's going to be part of the cycle. So learn to enjoy it.
0: I got fired from four consecutive executive positions before I started Rogue Risk and it became a national enterprise in which I'm now the founder of and is growing. We have 25 people and we're doing tremendously. It took getting fired four times to figure out not just, not just screw them, you know, oh, they don't get me. Cause that's what a lot of people do. They're like, oh, well, you know, they just don't understand who I am. Maybe, but also maybe you're an asshole. That's right. Right. I mean, yep. I, honestly, yep. like there are, do I think I gave a hundred percent to those companies? I do. I also think there are at least a half dozen scenarios in every one of those situations that I probably could have handled myself differently. Right. I thought I was making the best decision at the time and each one was different, right? Learning different lessons, you know, this happened, this happened, don't say this here, don't push too hard here, you know, et cetera. All of them are unique experiences, but, and, and, you know, I'd say at least one or two of my. I don't know that I deserve to get fired, but I did. And I have to be self-reflective on that. And by being self-reflective, right. I was able to bring the best version of myself to rogue and to my employees so that they wouldn't have to experience the same things that I did because obviously I don't want to have to let people go, et cetera. So, so I think too often we just want to, you know, we don't want to deal with it. And, you know, so we, again, I, I have no problem with people self-medicating, but we have to be very careful with things like alcohol, pot, even, even, well, I do really like psychedelics, but, um, I think that uh I think some of these things we have to be very careful for them because what we, you know, we might say, oh, I just want to take the edge off, but what you're really doing is disconnecting your soul from your mind and not allowing yourself to accurately reflect on why something happened, even if it's painful. And um, that's a lesson that I've had to learn the hard way, obviously, multiple times that now, um, I feel like self-reflection is a superpower. When something bad happens, I spend time thinking about it because I don't want it to happen again, and um, it's very That's difficult. Right. But uh, yeah, we go kind of philosophical here at the end. But uh, I just think that we—that's all right. I feel like our—I—I I, this is the last thing I'll leave with, and I—I um, I feel like we've become very shallow, and I don't mean shallow in the like classic sense of like uh, um, beauty shallow. I mean, when you read, when you read the writing of people before the internet, they had to go very, very deep into themselves, into their interactions, into all these things. They had to go very, very deep. They had to go all the way in to understand things. Now we just kind of skip off the surface another tiktok video another tiktok video another tiktok video we just kind of skip off the service and it's almost like like pe- like i have lost friends because of the way that i'm speaking to you right now because they're just and not not like they disagree they're just like bah bah you always want to talk about this and that and i'm like yes yes because these things matter to it me matters. i want it matters how can i be a great friend to you if i don't understand why when you say something i react negatively right like I want that's to understand right. why I'm reacting negatively so that I don't do that to you anymore, and they don't want to talk about these things, so I guess to me, it's I would like to normalize going deeper with people, going deeper into ourselves yep. and and thinking about these things and um we probably shouldn't have waited till the fifty seventh minute to have this conversation, but uh, uh <laughs> that's you know, obviously right.
1: that's yeah. the optimism that. Dead America is about right there. Yes. And, and it, it's a good way to wrap it all up into a good tidy nugget for people to really absorb. And if you think before you act, you can do amazing things. Completely. And a lot of that hype, it makes you react instead of act. Action yeah. is the key. No matter if it's little step here, little step there. It doesn't matter... How large you are, how small you are, it's the action that matters. And that brings curiosity, that brings conversation, and that's true wisdom. Yeah. Ryan, do you have a call to action and how can people get a hold of you?
0: Yeah. So if you like the second half of this, go to findingpeak.com, subscribe to the newsletter. I have a podcast. You know, that's a great place. All of it is free. So, you know enjoy, take as much as you want. If you are interested in rogue risk and what we do, or you want to work with us from an insurance standpoint, uh, just to be clear, I will not be your insurance agent. Uh, I have a team, I have to run the business, so I don't take clients anymore, but I have a tremendous team. Um, they believe in the same philosophy that I do. And uh, you can go to rogue and probably the best place to connect with me, um, is Instagram. I just, it tends to be the social media platform that I gravitate to the most. I post a lot of thoughts and stuff there and i'm ryan underscore hanley on instagram and anyone can dm me uh i'm ryan at findingpeak.com if you want to email me so uh, uh any questions any thoughts anything um happy to happy to help or answer any questions i can
1: powerful conversation today ryan i want to say thank you for being part of the dead america podcast and for everything you're doing out there
0: yeah thank you so much man it's my pleasure thank you for joining us today if you found this podcast
1: enlightening entertaining educational in any way please share like subscribe and join us right back here next week for another great episode of dead america podcast i'm Ed waters your host enjoy your afternoon wherever you may be